Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinock. Well, Dan, I'm very upset by a lot of the rhetoric I hear in American political debate these days, especially the religious intolerance. And so I'm going to get on my soapbox here, and I've got some things to share from Scripture. Now, Jesus said, and I quote, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Did you know that? It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Is that what he really meant? You know, the Bible also says there is no God. But you have to put it in context, right? Because what the Bible says is, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So what Jesus is saying is, if you're going to be perfect, if you're going to follow the example of Christ and the teaching of Christ, you don't just greet your own people, you don't just love those who are like you, you extend your heart, your compassion, your friendship to those who are different, to your enemies. Now today, many Americans are responding to anti-Islamic bigotry. That's what it is. It's rhetoric that's designed to inflame anger and fear. And, you know, there's a reason for it. There have been terrorist attacks and people are upset about it. The terrorist attacks in San Bernardino struck very close to home. I'm Seventh-day Adventist. There's a Seventh-day Adventist community right next to San Bernardino. And there were some of uh, people that I didn't know personally, but people close to me knew who were attacked and almost killed. And I'll tell you one story. One of the women who worked there at the clinic had befriended the attacker. And she told the story that he pointed the gun at her head and then didn't shoot her in the head. She survived. She survived because... She had loved her enemy. She had been nice to the guy. She'd been friendly and compassionate to him. Today, there is much too much fear and intolerance of people who are different. And you know, the thing of it is, most of the people that we're afraid of, they're not our enemies. They're our neighbors. They're Americans. Most of the Muslims in this country, first of all, an awful lot of them were born here. Awful lot of them are not Arab. 
They're from India. They're from Indonesia. Only about a third of Muslims in America are of Arabic origin. There's so much ignorance that fuels this intolerance. Now, Americans are, like anybody else, tend to fear what we don't understand. And we tend to, uh, you know, in, in times of, of conflict, times of crisis and difficult times, we batten down the hatches and we draw close to those who are like us. But I interviewed a guest today who talked about how his ministry, World Vision, was reaching out uh, and showing compassion to the refugees and how the refugees had the same fear of us, of Americans, of people in the West, as we have of them. And how um, loving your neighbor and showing compassion that it fulfills the, the biblical teaching that perfect love casts out fear. Jesus taught us not to be afraid. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not afraid, for I am thy God. Those of us who are listening who are Christians, if we know Jesus, we do not need to be afraid. And we certainly do not need to let fear-based politics drive us. Now, there's only one real solution in terms of, you know, dealing with terrorists. Terrorists are the, you know, the one percent, the one-tenth of one percent. Uh, that's an issue for law enforcement. That's an issue for immigration enforcement. And yes, of course, we want that dealt with. But the 99-plus percent of all Muslims in America or anywhere else are not terrorists. And we as Christians need to understand the power of the gospel, the power of our own religious principles to win the battle for hearts and minds. And, you know, why it's so important to love not just our neighbor, but to love those that we may perceive to be our enemies. So I have a very simple approach that I want to commend to all of our listeners, and especially to those who hold a leadership role in churches, whether you're pastors, elders, you know, on some kind of church board. You have a mosque in your community. You have Muslims in your community. Unless you're living, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, chances are um, if, if you're in a city anywhere in this country, you have Muslims as neighbors that you don't know, and so you're afraid. So how do you deal with it? It's very simple. We need to get to know each other. And I want to encourage every church to reach out to a mosque in your community. And I want you to do things together. I don't want you to reach out to them from the standpoint of you're going to convert them or they're going to convert you. You have your differing beliefs. This is not an evangelism program right now that I'm talking about. I'm talking about just making friends. We had a wonderful program in Northern California in a place called Yuba City some time ago. We had a Hindu priest. We had a Muslim leader. We had a Sikh leader. And they were a little nervous coming into a church. But they warmed up because we were friendly. And, and all we wanted to do was learn more about their communities and their experience and what they suffered the kind of discrimination and intolerance that members of their community suffered. 
what it felt like for them living in America. This is a kind of program every church can be holding. You can invite the Muslim community to do programs, and they should hear from you. Um, what is it like being Christian? What is your view of America? Do dinners, do community service together, feed the homeless together, whatever kind of community service activities your church is involved in or their uh, group is involved in, find ways to work together. And again, it's not about compromising on your faith or you know, giving anything up, but it's about getting to know your neighbors and breaking down the barriers of fear. This is the best way to overcome religious intolerance. You know, too many Americans think that they know what Islam is and what it teaches. They think they know that when leaders say Islam is a religion of peace, that it's a lie, that it's not true. Um, it's just tragic to me how many of us operate on an emotional basis based on fear, based on anger, without any real understanding. And let's start from the place of admitting, no, as Americans, we don't know anything about Islam. We really don't. Uh, we don't know much about the history. We don't know much about the divide between Sunni and Shia that's at the heart of so much of this violence and what's really driving it. We don't understand how colonial intervention in the Middle East has backfired, um, and it has. And we're, you know, our nation and, and European nations are struggling to have a positive influence in the region. And in the meantime, there's an enormous refugee crisis. There are millions and millions and millions of displaced people who are just innocent people caught in the conflict, caught in the crossfire, displaced from their homes with no place to go. And our attitude is we're going to shut the doors and um, close our eyes to the suffering. And many of those who are refugees, many of those who are suffering are Christian. The Christian community is being decimated in the Middle East. So, those are certainly not our enemies. Those are our neighbors. We need to give some serious thought to understanding who is our neighbor and who is not. I'm reminded of the story of the Good Samaritan. And, you know, the rabbis who passed by, the Jewish leaders who passed by, they didn't treat the wounded Jew as their neighbor. It was the stranger, the enemy of the Jews, the Samaritan, who had compassion on the wounded Jew and took care of him and had the resources to pay the innkeeper to take care of him till he returned. It was the stranger, it was the enemy, who has become immortalized as the good Samaritan. And that's the model for us. We're the stranger to, uh, you know, to the refugee. We're the ones who are different. We're the ones who are feared. So they fear and, and are just as suspicious of us as, as we are of them. And these barriers have to come down. If we have any human compassion, we can't just live our lives socially, politically, on the basis of fear. It's insanity. Fear will lead to escalation of violence, but it, it won't lead to any resolution of the conflict. And I'm not saying that there's any sort of easy or 
uh, prompt resolutions imminent because the fundamental conflict, as Liberty Magazine editor Lincoln Steed has reminded us on another show, the fundamental conflict goes back to the succession when Muhammad died. And there's been a split within Islam, very similar to splits we've had within Christianity. We have a split between the Eastern and Western Church. We had a split between Roman Catholicism and the Protestant Reformation. So we've had our divides. And, you know, 500 years later, the Reformation divide seems to be, the gap seems to be narrowing, which some regard as a positive and some aren't so sure. So we're not talking about are we going to solve the problems that are fueling the violence in the Middle East, but what about our own communities? Can we break down barriers? Can we go beyond words and saying we don't believe in intolerance, we don't believe in bigotry, we don't believe in religious discrimination, we believe in religious freedom. Religious freedom is what America has always stood for. And it's religious freedom means nothing if it's not freedom for everybody. It's not freedom for the Muslim. It's not freedom for the Christian. That's what's at stake, folks. Are we going to have religious freedom? And are we going to stand for religious freedom for everybody or just for ourselves? For too many Americans, it seems as though religious freedom means the freedom to believe as I do. I reject that principle. Religious freedom is for everybody. Well, it's time to close, and I want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We help those suffering religious discrimination. We help people of all faiths. Check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. Thank you for listening, and don't forget that Freedom's Ring is now available on SoundCloud on the internet. Check out our Freedom's Ring SoundCloud radio station. Don't forget, friends, freedom is not free. Be informed. Get involved. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.